This is the Pain Information Network. Welcome back. Today's about a few drugs. I've had some questions over. Uh, I think they're good questions, too, because, uh, you know, I know we don't spend enough time with people explaining exactly why we want you to have the beneficial effects of certain medications. And you go, well, why are you putting me on this? I have pain. I should be getting pain medicine. Not always, not necessarily. There's other medicines we use we call adjuncts. Adjunctive therapy helps us diminish the opioid load, decreases the amount of opioids you have to take, if at all. In many, in many cases, we can completely reduce risk and reduce uh, potential liability of opioids by putting you on some of these adjuncts, and they're real good. They're really good. So the question was, why in the world does my provider, it, it was actually a nurse practitioner, and we love our nurse practitioners and PAs. They do a tremendous amount for us. Why do they put me on an antidepressant? And I have pain. I don't think I'm that depressed. Well, like we've talked about in the past, pain, addiction, and depression are synonymous, really. In the neurobiology of uh, that primitive part of the brain sitting behind your ear, they're all kind of the same. They work together. They work in the reward pathways. They work in areas like the nucleus accumbens, the ventral tegmental area, to the prefrontal cortex, some of these sensitive areas like the locus ceruleus, where norepinephrine is so important, have a strong positive and negative impact on pain. They're also part of the reward circuitry that involves dopamine, and that's a topic for another discussion. But it's true. There's so many interrelationships that keep brain health and keep us happy moving forward, good function, quality of life, restorative sleep capacity, endurance that have these uh, tentacles uh, that interrelate to each other. We, ha- we can't mutually exclude them. I was listening to a podcast, and a, it was a well-meaning person, and I know this is their belief system. But this individual just believed most of back pain came from a psoas muscle problem. Well, that's probably true. To some extent, I do psoas muscle blocks, and it really does help. However, the, you know, I think it therefore it is type thinking spills over into sometimes uh, the reality of the, the truth and the absolute distinction we have to make with pain is it's incredibly complex. It's more than one just problem, and it's more than one just therapy. It's more than one just diagnosis. And and no more so is it in pain when we talk about just, unfortunately, situational depression and anxiety. It almost always accompanies pain. So, yes, your provider is absolutely correct. It can help. I'm going to talk about just a couple of them, just a couple examples. All right, let's start with citalopram, which is Selexa brand. It's labeled for major depression. It's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It raises serotonin, and that works at different receptors, 5-HT1, et cetera. That's not that important, but the point is these receptors in the brain have activity, and that activity reinforces the um, the wellness of the brain. And sometimes the wellness of the brain can help in pain very dramatically. It can help with sleep. Um, obviously, the depression 
keeps people from just socializing, doing anything. And it can be used for other things. And we'll call it off-label. In the United States versus, uh, say, Britain and other parts of the world, we have label, not label indications. Every country is going to be a little different. But here, uh, citalopram, for example, also helps with obsessive-compulsive disorders, sometimes dementia, uh, can be used for panic, a number of issues. And we think depression comes from this anti-inflammatory cytokines. That's brain chemistry. But I also think it has a lot to do with what I've talked about many other times, and that's BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, as it interrelates to the primitive part of the brain and this reward system and the interrelationships there. So what are some of the side effects? Well, this particular drug, as with any drug, does have side effects, okay? Let's take all these antidepressants. If you're under 25, 24, I don't remember the exact number, but there's a black box warning that it can have suicidal ideation associated with it, suicidal thoughts. Well, yeah, but... is it what? Is it the major depression? Is it the drug? I think it's hard to sometimes distinguish those two. Just be aware that young people can have suicidal ideation and thoughts. So you have to put the risk-reward benefit in clear perspective here. This is rule four. You've got to know which drug might be the best. And with this drug in particular, it can... Uh, Side effects can be associated with something called QTC prolongation. That's a problem with the heart rhythm. And this is important in overdose because this particular drug is a little nasty in overdose. So you have to ask those questions. Are you at risk to harm yourself or others? You have to ask those questions. Now, a little note on PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. There are some interesting medications that we use for that Um, disorder, which I thoroughly believe in. PTSD, I thoroughly believe in it. I think it's overdiagnosed, but I thoroughly believe in it. Um, But, you know, we have some new things that are kind of exciting on the horizon. We will be talking about them. One of them is a procedure called a stellate ganglion block. So it's not all about antidepressants. It's not all about pills. It's also really good to keep a broad perspective on other types of procedures and therapies. All right, venlafaxine. Some know that as a Fexor brand name. It has a short and long-acting form, uh, and it uh, stimulates uh, certain pathways, and it does through norepinephrine and by raising uh, serotonin as well. So, yeah, we're getting into norepinephrine, and norepinephrine is really important at the locus ceruleus, and it's really important with depression. So enter duloxetine or Cymbalta brand. It's an SNRI, okay? That's a reuptake inhibitor. Um, It's a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. And what it does is it works in a little different areas, a little different ways, but it's really a great drug, and it has a lot of labels. Why does it have a lot of labels? Why does it help low back pain? Because pain, addiction, and depression, situational depression, anxiety, has a great impact uh, as they interrelate to each other. So how did it get the label for neuropathy? How did it get the label for fibromyalgia and for low back pain? Because we're thinking inside out as opposed to outside in. Remember that pain, inside out, 
as opposed to outside in. And we're treating neurobiologically. Now, to round out the side effects, many of these have sexual side effects, um, and they have sometimes problems with uh, fatigue, sleep, um, and some people just feel bizarre. (laughs) They don't do well with them. So we have to be very careful in our early monitoring when we start these drugs, all of these drugs. And once again, don't forget the uh, black box warning. Now, one one thing I want to want to emphasize is if your doctor is giving you one of these older drugs called uh, monoamine oxidase inhibitor, or MAO in, I inhibitor, you'll know it. I think they'll tell you to watch what you eat, certain types of foods, drinks, and that sort of thing. Um, you have to know the interactions between all of these. So this is me to the provider, to the prescriber. Please take a, a very thorough history. Know what's at the house. Know that they might have a few old MAOIs uh, just hanging around, and they don't know the potential interaction. And also, serotonin syndrome is just a complete spectrum of problems. And the only people I've seen serotonin syndrome on are the ones that uh, no one could figure out and i i certainly didn't grab it right away but it's where there's too much uh, serotonin they get jittery and people get uh, very anxious and it, it can mimic so many other things so everybody bring into your provider's office a bag of all your medicines some need to be thrown out you just got to get them out of the house and in this class in particular we have to be very careful all right there's a lot of other uh, types of antidepressants, some older, some newer, uh, different mechanisms of action, um, different side effects. But in particular, you just have your provider spend an extra minute or two going over good, bad, sideways, and upside downs of these drugs. It's, it's important because you might not be aware, and sometimes a provider isn't even aware of the potential uh, drug interactions and side effects. So they are opioid sparing. They can help us minimize escalation of controlled substances. They can really help with generalized anxiety in certain situations, sometimes off-label. And so we can stay away from benzodiazepines, and that's a good thing. So that's probably why you're getting put on an antidepressant is because they want to use it as an adjunct. And it is a very reasonable uh, discussion and decision uh, to make collaboratively so you both make it together all right next question i had was more on gabapentinoids more 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 and this was from uh, actually md so i'll go through it a little bit and it's going to be a little bit on on the upper end of explanations but let's start with the beginning neurotin or gabapentin came out uh, in America and made its big splash, I think in 94. I talked about this, and it was really just a letter to the editor. And we grabbed this drug because it is an adjunct. It helps with neuropathic pain. And there's a lot of people with neuropathic pain that also have nociceptive pain, two types of pain, traditional kind of uh, bone ache, bone break, bone hurt, nociceptive, and neuropathic or nerve-type pain. And they tend to be interrelated and go together. But the drugs we had for neuropathic pain stunk. They were the Dilantins, the Tegretols. You had to do uh, blood chemistries. You had to do levels. The side effects, particularly from Dilantin, were really awful. 
It, but we didn't have a lot. And here comes Neuron. It's a it's a darling. It has very few side effects. We don't have to get blood levels. We can just use this drug. It helps with restorative sleep capacity, as we learn later. It helps with stage four sleep. It is opioid sparing. And, you know, what do people in pain need? They need sleep. And they don't need a sleeping pill, per se. There's so many side effects and drug interactions. But this drug took them from stage two to stage four sleep, as we learned. And it was cool. It was just a great drug. It really helped us. And we took a collective sigh of relief. We didn't have to use those other data drugs. So gabapentin, all right, gaba. We thought gamma amino butyric acid must be working there. There's two types of GABA, GABA-A and GABA-B. B is baclofen. A is more of the benzodiazepine class. But this isn't a benzodiazepine, and this isn't a muscle relaxer like baclofen. This is different, and it really didn't necessarily work on GABA. We didn't know how it worked. But we eventually kind of figured out it and its sister, pregabalin Lyrica, worked at voltage-gated alpha-2 sigma, and that's subsection 1 and 2 receptors. And that's in the brain. Once again, pain inside out as opposed to outside in. What this does is it reduces calcium currents. And that's what occurs chronically in pain. It's kind of a form of wind-up. And most pain uh, providers know what wind-up is. It's a progressive reintroduction of pain kind of on a loop. In other words, we want to break that cycle. And although wind-up is dated and it's uh, not explained well or explained at all many times, it is an important concept that pain sometimes perpetuates itself inside out as opposed to outside in. And we know that it decreases formation of new synapses, and so that would be another relevance to wind up. It is not shown to bind GABA receptors, although it's similar in structure, okay? So there's some, um, there's some modulating effect there. And what it does is it seems to modulate glutamate, decarboxylase, okay, and branch-chain aminotransferase. That's GAD and BCAT. These are enzymes involved in actual GABA synthesis, okay? You have to listen to that a couple of times. It may increase nonspecific and non-synaptic GABA neurotransmission sites. And that that does interact with the N-methyl-D-aspartate receptors or the NMDA receptors and other protein kinases, which are so important to pain and those inflammatory cytokines. Remember, I just talked to you about depression and inflammatory cytokines. Is that the link between... Uh, suicidal ideation or funk feeling with antidepressants, and certainly that was a problem with GABA too, um, gabapentin in particular. And so, um, okay, that's the long-winded explanation what uh, gabapentin and maybe pregabalin does. But the the short and the important points to be made are these drugs are an. Ex- extraordinarily important uh, crucible to carry as an adjunct, both antidepressants and gabapentinoids, and it it really behooves the provider to understand how to use them, to use them together, and to understand the drug interactions, of which thankfully are minimal between the two, but there may be some. There may be some synergy in uh, some of the situational depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation thoughts, 
I'm reaching on that one. I haven't seen it, but it's something to think about. Okay, I think I pretty much burned this road up. So um, I'll, I'll continue this in small bits. This is a lot of science, and it's uh, not necessarily um, for patient edu- uh, education, but it is important for all to understand that uh, these these drugs should be taken seriously. All drugs should be taken seriously. Talk it over with the provider. This is a medical information show. It's not treatment recommendations. So please talk it over with your healthcare provider. And oh, it really helps me too if you go to iTunes and leave a review. Please, please, please. It really helps me rank so people can find me. And I didn't realize how relevant it was, but even even one review really helps. Um, and go to paininformation.com if you have any comments or you want to know about more things, and including providers. If, if you want me to go a little deeper into this stuff, I'll do it. I don't mind doing that at all. And just uh, throw some stuff at me and be happy to help. Other than that, we'll talk to you soon.